Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire-Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. We're back, Dr. Smith. How are you? I am doing great this morning. <laughs> I did I did a nice little sing-songy. How are you? And you yeah, asked me. Right. There we go. Mm. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to be as, as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as, as you are. But uh Yes, we know you don't wake up until the vampires do. But that's okay. It's all right. I've been up. Been up. Night owl, night owls. <laughs> So we have a good, good, good podcast coming up today. But before before we get there, before we get there, we also have a really exciting music tip. I'm going to let you, I actually know the music tip this week. Sometimes I don't know what it is. (laughs) You surprise me, but I actually know what it is this time. And uh, this is a really um, good news thing. So I'll let you start by sharing. Well, it's just the uh, the thing that just got passed, and I think it was the Senate that passed it. It's the uh, Music Modernization Act, and uh-huh. it's basically trying to create parity for, for artists and, and uh, musicians and trying to make sure that we're fairly paid for the work yeah. that we do. And, um, yeah, it's sort of cleaning up some of the stuff that that happened at the uh, the Digital Copyright Act. Um, didn't didn't take care of so um yeah so now that's pretty much what's happening so it passed through the senate and now it has to pass through the house and then get signed by the president yes (laughs) let's keep our (laughs) fingers crossed once you said president it made everybody say bomb bomb but yeah no well the crazy (laughs) thing is uh and this is how they this is how capitol hill works because i I know some folks uh been around the whole thing for too long but Mm -hmm. uh they renamed it after Orrin Hatch. So that's why it got mm, passed. <laughs> see, see that? Oh, Lord. But just for the artists, those of you who are tuning in and who are artists and kind of trying to understand, I would definitely look it up. Honestly, you could put Music Modernization Act. Just Google that. It's going to pop up um, just so you can learn just a little bit more of the details. But if you have your music currently being streamed and so forth, especially as an independent artist, um, you're seeing your little point zero 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 amount of money um, for each stream. And, you know, obviously that just seems incredibly um, unfair. And so they're trying to increase the revenues in the in the streaming and make it um, so that you could actually maybe make another song <laughs> after you. <laughs> maybe you can get paid for one so that you can make another. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's really good news. And I try to they're asking, you know, artists and particularly those who are part of the Recording Academy to share on social media and get the right. word out um, so that everybody's aware that this is getting closer. And those of you who are not artists who are listening and who just love music and all of that good stuff. Um, Yeah, Yeah. support us. And now you can have a better understanding that when you're streaming, the hope is that while you're paying your, you know, little subscription every month or whatever, um, we're getting a little bit more fairly paid from that money that you're actually giving. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. It's my turn. Your turn. I'm excited. 
I just love what we do on this podcast because we bring some phenomenal people. Um, and today is yet another phenomenal person. And um, I have the honor of actually, I've met this um, person, God, I think it's been about three or so years um, ago. I'm a huge fan of his music and the group um, that he is with. I'm just going to introduce him and bring him on. Mr. Claude McKnight, how are Yay. you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're Fantastic. Good. Fantastic indeed. I so So what I typically do is I always like our guest to kind of tell their, their story. But before I, I let you do that, um, I usually have some little anecdote. I, Claude McKnight, for those of you who do not know, he's one of the founding and current members of Take Six, which is a gospel jazz, do everything, acapella, amazing <laughs> group that um, literally, really, honestly, um, when I started getting a little bit more serious into singing and performing, my music instructor um, years ago was like, you need to go listen to a group called Take Six and really, you know, practice, you know, being able to hear lines and follow your line and follow, you know, line meaning soprano line or alto line or whatever. And so I, I began kind of my trying to really train my ear as far as listening and, and holding my part or whatever by listening to take six. So Clyde, you're a huge influence. Now I try to tell you this, but I don't know. I'm just making it clear. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds clear enough. Thank you. <laughs> so what I'd like for you to do is, you know, let the listeners know who you are. Um, you know, maybe tell a little bit more about take six and, we really want to know your story. How did you get to take six? What's the background? Um, of well, you? it's here's 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 the story. Mm-hmm. I um I went to uh, a small liberal arts college in Huntsville, Alabama, called Oakwood University. And anybody who knows that school already knows the deal. But for those who don't, mm-hmm. it's a school that has a really really rich heritage of acapella groups and vocal groups in general. Mm-hmm. And it's a seventh day Adventist school, so um, it's a it's a it's a church school, mm-hmm. you know. It's a, and my my parents went there, uh, uncles, aunts, you know, cousins, and so I ended up going there. And I was a music major, even though I was a trombone player, um, mm-hmm. and knew that they didn't have a good band program there. I went kind of out of you know family history and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got there as a freshman, I wanted to have a singing group because I grew up with my brothers. Uh, having a quartet. Mm. And so the story goes that, you know, I basically found three other freshman guys. And <laughs> so we had pretty much a, a barbershop style acapella quartet uh, group. Mm. And so we used to rehearse in a bathroom because everybody knows <laughs> even, if, even if you're not a good singer, you sound good in the bathroom. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, that's how we started. And Mark Kibble, who's in the group now, came into that bathroom and added a fifth part to what we were doing. And we're like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and subsequently, he started arranging for the group, introduced wow. us to one more gentleman who was Mervyn Warren, mm-hmm. and we had a sextet. And the reason I think that we decided we wanted to have six members was because nobody else at the time was really doing that. Yeah. And it also allowed us to do much more ambitious uh, jazz stylings and extended chords. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
fast forward, you know, through a bunch of different changes here and there. We did a showcase in Nashville, Tennessee, just kind of, you know, seeing what the temperature would be and literally got our first record deal 24 hours later oh from Warner gosh. Brothers Records. Wow. Really? It's it crazy because there may have been seven people in that room. Oh, and oh my God. yeah, and Warner Brothers came uninvited. Oh. It was on the Music Row in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so people kind of wandered in and out. And we invited all of the gospel music labels. And um, unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, none of them showed up. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like I said, Warner Brothers came uninvited. And kind of the rest is history. We started recording our album 20 days later. And, wow, you know, we've been together now over 30 years and wow. continue to make albums and and tour 100 dates a year and you know so it's, it's a really really great ride wow that's yeah, amazing that that is amazing i mean you all are actually amazing. pretty much the pinnacle of of uh acapella singing i mean there's all mm-hmm. these things that come out with you know the voice and all this these other shows tv shows and things that come out but no no one has has reached that that level of musicianship that mm-hmm. that you all are 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 continuing to do, but the, the standard that you all set, it's sort of in the, 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 um, the, the tradition, that's the word I'm looking for. The tradition of mm-hmm. Lambert Hendricks and Ross and all of the, mm. the, the earlier, uh, jazz vocal groups, uh, whether, mm-hmm. well, what's the shoot, what's the other group that sang, um, Birdland, um, mm. Man- Manhattan transfer. Manhattan transfer. Oh, Manhattan transfer. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you, you all, who we, to- who we toured with last year. Yeah. Yes. And that's the thing that people don't, don't understand is that, you know, that some of these things pop up and it's a novelty, but, uh, you all have done the study and, and are part of the tradition and, and actually set the bar for a lot of yeah. people in terms of their, their vocal, uh, to the acapella singing, and um, yeah, but I, I have uh, I, I know that since you said it was 30 years ago, you have been doing this for 30 <laughs> years. Um, uh, my main some of my t- two questions, a two part question. What's different about your music making process now? And then also on the business side, since it's our business podcast, um, what's different about how you run the business side of your, your music now? OK, well, the music side uh, is pretty easy. Um in the sense that when we first started out from a musical standpoint, we were doing things basically that we loved and that we had been doing forever. You know, our first album, they say this about everybody who does an album, you have your whole life to do that first album. (laughs) Um, So typically, you know, hopefully you, you, you've, you've really curated uh, songs that are really, really strong songs and you've, you've been out, uh, performing them. And so you kind of know what works right. after that, you know, it's kind of the wild, wild west. Now you're trying to learn how to navigate this business and how to uh, put an album out nine months later or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of times you have that sophomore slump or you know, just whatever happens or you never hear from a group or an artist again, because, you know, it's hard to recreate that, especially if you've been successful mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning. Right. So that's kind of what, what, we were able to do is continue being as creative as possible. And that's what we always talk to, especially young artists, you know, just because you have gotten some modicum of success or whatever, it doesn't mean that uh, it's over in in the sense of I've I've reached the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. No, you got to keep on plugging (laughs) and 
you know, try to keep the fans that you have, but, you know, branch out, be, be bold, mm-hmm. you know, be creative in the way that people are like, wow, I didn't expect that. But from them, oh yeah. You know, so that's what we've always tried to do. Yep. Now the business side of things, it's changed exponentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> from yeah. 30 years ago, you know, just to give some perspective. So our album came out uh, literally on vinyl, cassette, and CD, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so it was, you know, all those forms that uh, a generation or two of kids have never even heard of or, or seen, you know, <laughs> right. what is a, what is a cassette, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and I think that what has happened now, of course, is because the world is a much smaller place with social media and technology in general. Um, just because you've been in this business for a long time doesn't mean that you shouldn't adopt or adapt to uh, the latest uh, abilities as far as technology is concerned. Mm-hmm. So we've had to embrace that, and because you got to feed people, yeah. you know, there's there's actually too much out there, and so people's um, listening habits are pretty much formed by what you can get in front of them, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you hope that word of mouth and um, of course, hopefully excellence will, will win out because otherwise people are going to sleep on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how good you've been in the past. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be excellent now. Mm. And so I, I could go on a tangent on that. because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we don't mind because that, that excellence piece, you, it's interesting that you say that you have to be excellent because I feel like sometimes, you know, when we're listening to mainstream or commercial there's such a lack of excellence <laughs> to me in so many ways. And so when you say that, I guess, what do you, what do you mean by that? You have to well, you know, that's an interesting question because I think excellence comes in various forms as well. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I think that from an artist's perspective, excellence is really about tapping into what is genuine about you, what is authentic about you, mm-hmm. and then push the boundaries musically, uh, lyrically, rhythmically, all of those things so that you're not just retreading something that has happened before, Mm. you know? And then even with all of that, there's no guarantee that it's going to gain any traction. And that's always been the case, not just now, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to have something to say. There has to be a convergence of events. Perhaps there's something that's going on in the culture that you just tapped into. And so it's lightning in a bottle, Mm. Um, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the other part of that excellence piece to me is, um, if <laughs> this might be a little, a little uh, heretical, <laughs> but I, I, I think that what technology has done and what the preponderance of music out there has done is it has shown that there are a lot of people who don't actually deserve to be in the music business. Mm. Right, right. And th- that's not a stab or a, a slap on anybody. Um, what it's saying is just because you have a computer with music software and whatnot doesn't make you an artist. Right. It doesn't make you somebody who actually deserves to be listened to. So how do I follow what I just set up with, <laughs> with, with something a little more pleasing? Mm-hmm. Well, keep plugging at it. Mm-hmm. Keep plugging at it so that you can be good. You can be great. You can be excellent. Um, don't rest on your laurels. Don't think just, again, because you have the technology that you deserve that shot because you don't. Right. You know, mm-hmm. painters, 
<laughs> don't start painting by numbers and say, well, you know, I got this painting done. I deserve a hundred thousand right, dollars. Right. No. Right. So it's the same principle in music. Just because you have the tools <laughs> doesn't mean that anybody should be buying your stuff or should be um, checking you out. You got to be really, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you're all you're hitting right on uh, the, the, my next question, which was I had a student actually this week who was questioned. I was teaching them mo- the mo- modes in uh, in the scales and, and how to derive the modes from the scale, and uh, mm-hmm. and and he was asking, you know, why why do we need to to learn this, and <laughs> and, and is it applicable to today's music industry? And and you're right on point. It's about being excellent. It's about you know reaching out, but. Uh, you know, that's that's what I would say. What if if you had that student, what would you say? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you you're giving me goosebumps right now in the <laughs> sense that. But, well, well, the reason why let me let me relate something that's going on for me in my personal life. So I, I bought a guitar about two weeks ago mm-hmm. and I've never been a guitar player, but this is something that I think I really want to learn. Mm-hmm. And so sitting around, I'm I'm looking on YouTube and learning chords and lessons and all manner of stuff. And I've talked to a few people here and there and everybody's approach to playing guitar or learning guitar is different. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, just start learning songs, you know, just figure (laughs) out how to get from this chord to this chord to this chord. And there's something in my spirit as I'm hearing that, that almost makes me rebel because (laughs) if I just learned by rote how to do certain things, I don't really have a foundation right. of what the guitar really is mm. and how, how to make it mine, how right. to navigate through the chords and the, the scales and the modes and everything. Now, will I ever use any and all of that? Maybe not. But when you have a vocabulary mm-hmm. that is extensive, you may never know. It might be two years from now, you pull something out that you're able to say, ah, I have that Mm -hmm. as opposed to I only have these three or four things. I'm going to use that forever. I think that's where people get into trouble. And I think that that is kind of where at times the music business is where you hear so much sameness and you hear almost a dumbing down of musicality because you're digressing to the mean. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. I'm going to clap. I'm clapping. You can't hear me. (laughs) I need the organ in the back. Don't get me wrong. Here's the other other part of that. Someone who's young and and energetic and creative or whatever can say, oh, hogwash. I don't care about anything he just said. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And you know what? That's okay, too. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. There are many different ways to skin this cat. Mm -hmm. But I think that the more you know, the more you eat, the more you take in, hopefully, the more you can navigate as your cheese gets moved. Yes. (laughs) It's, it's, I wrote down navigation. I mean, because that is, and and navigating your instrument, whether it's your voice, whether it's, you know, like you just mentioned with, you know, a guitar versus another, it's, it's about, it's about the excellence. It's about, you know, having the foundation. So you, yes, as trends move, you have the foundation. So you can, you can do what you need to do within that. 
And I, I can't, I, I'm trying to get this into my kids' heads right now because they, they are the kid that you just said, let me just learn these. <laughs> All I got to learn is this song and I'm, I'm dope. You know, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, you have to take, you know, lessons. You're 12. Like, I mean, you know, you mm-hmm. need to get the foundation. And my, my youngest son is just really like, why, why? He's, he's, he's being put in a choir. He sings all day. He sings around the house. He asked me to sing, all this. And I'm like, okay. He was in choir when he was real little. He stopped. We're going to get back in choir. And I, this is exact. And I told him, he's like, it's boring. It's this. That's not the music I like. I blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's, it's about your foundation. And I know you can't appreciate this right now, but I promise <laughs> you, I promise Absolutely. you. Yeah. Yeah, and he will thank you. And yeah. it's a tough process mm-hmm. um, because you're right; it is boring, <laughs> and there are elements of it yeah. where where you're like, "Why am I doing this?" And I have to, you know, when I'm when I'm teaching voice and style lessons for people, I always equate it to sports or to other things that might make a little bit more sense mm-hmm. to them. You know, I work out a lot, mm-hmm. and when you're in the gym working out. No matter what it is you're trying to do that day, you warm up. You right, go through right. a litany of things right. to get your your muscles, your tendons, everything in order to do what you need to do. You don't go in there and just start bench pressing 300 pounds. <laughs> right. right. You know? Right. Or if all you can do is bench 300 pounds and your legs have never been worked on or your conditioning is, you know, you, you, it's a shortcut um, to a place to where there's danger involved and I'm using that word, you know, kind of flippantly, but it's the same thing in music. What happens when you have learned, you know, only the chords you need for this specific style of music and that style goes out of style. Mm. Mm. You know, if you have nothing else to be able to create with, well, then you have been left behind, but because you have learned all those rudiments and the modes and the chords and all these other things, you can work forever. And I think that that's the problem that a lot of people have is they don't see the long-term vision. You know, oh, I want this right now, and that's all I need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, you're you're totally on it. Because if you go to the gym and you start trying to bench press 300 and don't warm up, you will learn that you need to warm up very quickly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very yes, quickly. you will. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man. Yep. But, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you, um, trying, to, trying to get some other, other stuff, because, you know, you know, when you ever get a chance to talk to uh, Claude McKnight on, you know, and get, and get deep, because <laughs> normally, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they're usually conducting business. No one ever sits down and really talk about some of the, the, the stuff and re- review and reflect. Um, I wanted you to talk about some of the uh, uh, what was your, some of your favorite um, projects that you worked on. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> with, with, okay. with, with Take Six or, or you know, on, on your own, okay. you know, either way. Yeah. Um. Where do I start? So we've we've recorded on two of Quincy Jones's projects, right? Mm-hmm. And those were both amazing, especially the first one because we we had met him quite a few times before we recorded, so we were already friends. And mm-hmm. um, what we learned in recording with Quincy is something that I I share with people all the time. You can't be in this business for sixty years plus unless you are able to get out of people more than they knew they could do. 
Yeah. And yeah. that's what Quincy, working with him was like that, mm-hmm. where we always considered ourselves deep and creative and, you know, we're take six. <laughs> and then here comes somebody who's like, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Hey, let's do a little less of this. Yeah. Add this and whatnot. We're like, what? <laughs> and then you listen to it and you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. He has such a command of what he wants and can get it out of you without beating you over the head. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so Quincy's right at the top of that. Now, let me let me fast forward to just a few months ago. We were in the studio here in L.A. with Dr. Dre. Mm. And when I kid you not, (laughs) those sessions are right up at the top of of what we've ever done in this 30 years as well. Wow. Wow. Okay, so you know you got to explain that. I don't know if you're yeah, allowed you, you, to at this point, but can you just give drop us that. just a nugget? Yeah, that was that was a big well, drop. Yeah, yeah. Let me <laughs> let me tell you how it how it came about. So we were in Hawaii at the Blue Note Jazz Club there, and Dre happened to be in Hawaii as well. Um, he has a place in the studio there and whatnot. So we have a mutual friend who works for him who brought Dre to the show. Mm. So he came to our show, and then you know we do two shows at night. So the Second one is over, you know, around 1130, 12 o'clock or so. After the show, we go to his studio. Oh, my God. And and just vibe with him just because, you know, so literally until about four o'clock in the morning after doing two shows. Oh, my God. And then we had to leave the next day. So, you know, fast forward a few months uh, past that, I guess in the vibing session, it was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to work with these cats. Mm. So... Um, we listened to a bunch of tracks and then he decided the three we we're going to work on. And my, my, <laughs> my, oh, and again, that's what I'm talking about. When you have the ability to grab things from what people would think are, are, are places that wouldn't go together mm-hmm. or, or try to marry uh, styles that, could be really hard to navigate through when you have a vocabulary mm-hmm. <laughs> and an ability to to be able to corral all of that like Dre does like Quincy does like David Foster does like all yeah. of those people then you're able to see a bigger picture and that's what Dre was able to do and it was wow. a that's yeah awesome. to this to this moment I'm like wow and that's because it's stuff that we would never would have thought of ourselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think that point you made about um, Quincy and now then also about Dre, Dr. Dre, is to me that that is, yes, the goosebump feelings when you can work with a producer or musicians that pull something better out of you that you were unaware of. (laughs) And And, and think about about what you just said. Music is supposed to be about goosebumps. Right. Mm. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. They actually just there's been a recent article kind of going around social media about that and, and about why um, people get goosebumps and, you know, creativity and music and, you know, mm-hmm. how that, how spiritual that is, you know, that the body mm-hmm. responds like that to yes. it. Um, no, I think that's, yeah, yeah, that, that's, I know for me as a, as a musician, you know, when I can work with a, another musician that not only shows up, you know, great in within whatever space they do either as a producer, but, brings allows me to be me and then better yes. than what I knew I could be. It's like, it's like oh, I got, yep. I got that. 
Um, that's magical. It's, it's magical. And, and then that translates to the listener. Yes. And I don't think that people quite understand that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's through authenticity. That's through being genuine. Right. That's through being yourself, you know, not being molded into something that, you know, is perfectly placed. And, but no, right. sometimes about the warts. Sometimes it's about the fact that that person didn't make that note quite, you yeah. know, sometimes it's about you hear the the pathos or the crying in somebody's voice and their spirit because mm. of what they're singing or what they're going through. Yeah. So goosebumps come in all kinds of different ways. And I think that people don't quite understand because, again, everything comes back down to how much do you have in your foundation that you can pull out when it's when it's time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Mm, some good stuff some good nuggets here (laughs) i mean yeah yeah i i have i mean i I could go on and and (laughs) into a lot of other areas because you you have the the music side the musicianship side and uh and we're focused on one thing here with our podcast but i i I really you know would would enjoy just going going deep into some of the the musical stuff because you all do things uh harmonically that you know, I mean, you like when you talked about excellence, you know, you'll 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 add that that passing chord that, you know, oh some God. people just don't yeah, even talk about goosebumps. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. The passing chords. Come on now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm a passing chord girl. No, I love a passing, a good passing chord. But you anyway. know what? That sounds like a, a great album title, Passing Chord. I know. Don't steal my idea, Clive. Don't be stealing. I know, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Will. Go ahead. Yes. Because no, I, I mean, just started thinking about their ahead. music and I'm like, oh my God, right. And, and, and one of my questions, I mean, you kind of have kind of talked about this a little bit, but I kind of, one of the things I do with other artists, and in addition to performing myself, I do coaching and and really I'm trying to help with artist development and getting artists to understand the music industry, but also understand the importance of, of, of developing their craft, but also of developing their mindset, you know, all of that of how, how you, how you, in, in your navigation of this industry, it can't just be that you just learn, you know, the rules or the information. There's a mindset that you have to gain too. Since you guys were so young, it sounds like, like you said, it was just kind of, you know, we were there and we got signed in 24 hours and blah, blah, blah. What, what was the process? What was available to you guys for the development, like getting yourselves ready for, I mean, you were being projected into a really, you know, going from Oakwood to like, boom, we're like hitting major stages and touring and, you know, how, what was the development like, or how were you guys developed? Or did you just kind of just, you know, learn along the way? Was there a process? Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. We, we had a lot of on the job training. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause think about it. Again, our first album came out after being signed, like I said, you know, literally the next day. <laughs> our first album came out and we won two Grammys. Right. We were nominated for Best New Artist. So all of a sudden, uh, the whole world at that time knew who we were. Yeah. And three of the guys were still in school, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, uh, okay, <laughs> so how do we do this? The great thing about our career, especially at the beginning, was being signed to Warner Brothers, such a huge machine that at that time um, was all about uh, development and all about taking care of us. Here's the other part of that that I didn't mention. We were signed to the Nashville 
uh, country music division hmm. of Warner Brothers. Oh. Now, on the surface, that might seem like that's crazy. But what worked in our favor was they completely let us be autonomous as far as the music was concerned. Um, but they had the machine and the engine and the money and the wherewithal to do all the things that we had no clue mm. needed to be done. Yeah, that's right. interesting. You know, yeah. so they were able to push the you know the rock up the hill, so to speak, um, and give us as much training as we needed. And I got to mention this name: Jim Ed Norman mm. was the president of Nashville Warner Brothers. And although, you know, at that time, all his acts were country, he had just signed Randy Travis at the same mm-hmm. time as us and Travis Tritt and all these people. Wow. He was a jazz guy. Huh. And he's the one who came to the showcase. And his oh. words to us were, I have no idea what I want to do with this music, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> you know, so can you find an executive like that now? Oh, no. Right. You know? Right. Because the bottom line has to be met. At that time, they were riding on such a high wave that he was just signing stuff because he loved it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. And that's how it, record companies yeah. used to be. Right. Yeah, you, you're, you're hitting on, and, and that's a part, part of the other question that I had was how, you know, the industry has changed and, you know, how do you, your music business side is, is different and that's a that's a huge difference. The the labels now don't have the foresight, or the people in, who are making the decisions don't have the uh, the musical knowledge or background, um, the the breadth of knowledge that some of the older executives had. And I mean, to, to the point with Quincy too. Quincy, I mean, goodness, you know, his background. That's how he can be such an amazing producer. Um, but you know, and I would I would speak to uh, to the thing about Dr. Dre. People don't understand the earlier uh, producers in hip hop would yeah. also study and yeah. crate, yes. do, do crate yeah. digging. Yes. I mean, and the yes. current producers, they're just like, oh, let me make it sound like this. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they don't go deep. And right. you, you, you hit you hit the nail on the head. It's the depth of. Uh, well, see, the crazy thing to me about everything we're talking about is all the exact same thing. Hmm. Meaning, whether it's the music side of it, the business side of it, or any side of entertainment or, or, or anything you want to do, you've got to get a foundation. <laughs> right. I mean, you're, talk- right. you're talking about rap producers who listen to everything. Yep. Would they use everything in their stuff? Maybe not. Right. But if they need to call upon it, they have they it have in their it. system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You, can only, you can only put out what you've taken in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you are what you eat. You are what you eat. You mm. are what you eat. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, and I have one more question. I think we're going to have to uh, start to wrap up. But yeah. w- when you mentioned about the, the training, because this is this is something that I'm really trying to figure out because there, this, there's this huge gap happening right now. So we have, you know, artists who, yes, you can become a quote unquote artist, you know, by just uploading something on Instagram, even, <laughs> you know, not mm-hmm. even, don't even have to do YouTube and SoundCloud, whatever. Um, and they are missing. And, and you do have artists who actually do want to have the training. They want to get that foundation, but they have no clue of how to begin that or how to do that. Are there any tips that you would give? Um, I know that, you know, you've been in this business a long time, but for that newer artist who is not on a label per se, but they, and they, they recognize they need to, to develop themselves. What types of tips might you give them? Well, you know what? The first thing I would say as I'm listening to the question is, if you want to be in this business, 
or any business, read, find mentors, mm -hmm. find people who have already done it and are continuing to do it. Now, that might sound really easy or really hard, mm. but there might be somebody who you look up to who, you know, they don't have to be a platinum selling artist who you can't get to. Mm -hmm. It could just be somebody who has been in this business for five years, mm. 10 years, 15 years. Ask questions, mm -hmm. experiment, because the great thing about this um, is we are actually in the wild, wild west. Mm. So there mm -hmm. is no one way to make this happen. But why not reach out to people who are having some kind of success or have had some kind, some kind of success mm -hmm. to ask, hey, how did you do this? You know, what would you think about this? Hey, listen to my music even. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Don't just don't just play it for, you know, Aunt Betty and whoever else. They're going to be like, <laughs> oh, baby, that's great. Right. No, right. let somebody who, who works on something say, you know what? It's engineered poorly. Yeah. Or, you know. Um, why would you do do that song form or whatever? Or have you thought about this or that? Because I think when you iron sharpens iron. That's yes, right. You know, mm -hmm. I think that the more you can ask questions and the more you can find people who um, who have already been in this business, you know, I believe wholeheartedly in mentorship. Mm -hmm. I really, really do. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to be uh, something that is long and drawn out. Mm-hmm. If you're in this, if you want to be in this business, hang around people who are in the business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Ask questions. Right. Right. And don't be afraid of the answers. Because, you know, I think, yes. a, I, I think a lot of people get, they're afraid they're going to get, you know, told, like what you just said, the engineering is, you know, needs to be improved or whatever. And it's like, oh, I suck. It's like, no, it's, it's just, it's, it's just trying to help you. And I, 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 I do think in this world right now where we get these false positives on social media, where, mm. you know, where we get these like it's just because I blew a gum bubble good. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like these things. It's like, see, I'm affirmed. So the moment right. that somebody says something that, you know, is constructive, you know, maybe it's criticism, but it's constructive. A lot of times people don't really know what to do with that. And so I think it's very helpful what you just said in terms of the mentoring. Mentoring is about relationship, too. So, you know, this is out of love, out of, you know, consideration, out of compassion. This isn't just out of, you know, when you build that mentoring relationship, there's a relationship now happening. So when yeah. you hear that criticism that can be maybe tough to hear, know that it's coming from a space of I care. So right, I right. want you to be better. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And choose your mentors wisely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but we've got a lot of themes going on around this podcast, Kenya. I think we need to do a whole other podcast on themes that run through the podcast. I know. Well, this well is... holler at me and let's do a part two, yeah, three, we, four. We got, we got so you many part twos down. and threes. We're going to have to do a whole like, convention of our <laughs> Well, this has been awesome. I think we only have a moment left, but if you, if there's anything new that takes six that we should be on the lookout or Anything you want to share real quick? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we, we released um, an album that we're really, really proud of uh, at the end of April, and it's called Iconic. Yes. And it's got all of these amazing songs that Christopher Cross is sailing. Oh, awesome. We've got yeah. uh, Nora Jones' Don't Know Why. We've got Got to Get You Into My Life from the Beatles slash Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, we've got 
back in love from mm. from uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Osborne and LTD. You know, so it's 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 an album, and in fact, it's the first album in many years that I can listen to every song mm. all the way through. Wow. I love it. I I I've already I have it, so I have pretty much everything you guys have done. But yes, thank you for sharing that because. It's iconic. <laughs> it's a great title. Yeah. <laughs> and and, 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 and for our listeners, just just to to let you know, when you listen to a, a Take Six album uh, or anything done by any member from Take Six, what what you're going to be listening to is is creativity, and it's like yeah. it's something. It's not uh, the way that somebody else did it. It's it's an like you said, an authentic way of delivering something different, and. Yeah. And you, I already know that I, I haven't heard it yet. I'm going to actually after this podcast, I'm going to go give it a listen. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, just uh, gotta hear those passion chords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, on that on that note, let me share this with you guys. What I would say to every musician, young, old, in the game forever, just getting in, is what you really want is you want either people to really love you or hate your work. Right. You don't want to be somewhere in the middle. Right. You yeah. don't want to. Tr- and sometimes a lot of times people are in the middle when they're trying to please everybody mm. yeah. or they're trying to do what everybody else is doing. No, be uniquely you take mm. six. Um, we've always been take six. And there's some people like, nah, I don't really like that. And we're not trying to change for you. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. we love what we do. There's a sound that we have yep. that you either really love or you don't. Yes. That's where you want to be. Yes. Awesome. Excellent ending point. Ah, yes, I'm taking that home as I'm continuing to work on my project. Yes. <laughs> Hate me or love me. Hate me or love me. There you go. Awesome. All, All right, right Kenya. Yeah, that's, that's it. We're going to have to do it again, but uh, we will see yeah. you all next week. Actually, yes, no. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, well, it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, we will. It'll be a yeah. solo. Yes, yes. it's just going to be me. So, so you'll, yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. All, all right, right. Take care, everybody. All right, guys. Bye. Take care. Right, bye. bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creating or DRW Smith at making money in the music biz biz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session, With Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.